Have you ever woke up in the morning and said, where's the church? Uh, I don't think you have because you find a church building just almost everywhere you go. But we're not looking at a church building. We're looking at the church, the body of Christ. And we've been looking at this now. We found out, first of all, that the church is called to harvest. There's a harvest out there that needs to be brought in. You see, God says, listen, there's a big harvest out there where the laborers are free, and I need your help. You ever think that God needs our help? Yes, he's decided he wants us to be involved in his harvest. So then he says, in order to do that, you need power. He thinks the church is called to power. The church did not get started in the book of Acts when they said, okay, let's go. No, Jesus said, let's wait. And they had to wait for the Holy Spirit to come upon them. And then they got empowered to do the ministry of the church. Then the mission came about. The church is definitely called to mission work beyond its four walls, so to speak. Yeah, we want to minister to the people there on Sunday morning and probably in the Bible study, but we have a mission out in the field. And therefore, God says, our mission is to go heal people, bring healing to people in their spirit, mind, and body. They need healing. And then we found out that also they need some physical needs met. The church sometimes it probably does fairly well with this, but sometimes we get too busy doing all the activities and concentrating on ourselves and have our programs and have our dinners and all this. We forget about that there's physical needs out there. Well, now what is going to undergird all of that? What is the basis that really gets this going is the call to prayer. There must be a basis for prayer within the church for all of this to take place. We just can't go out and decide, hey, I need to do this, that, and the other. No, we've got to find out what God wants. So we've got to pray. So that's what we're looking at today. The church is called to pray. To pray. Let's look at Acts chapter 2, verse 42, first of all. And you know me, I'm going to get into the Word. Here we go. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. And this is Peter after Peter had been preaching, after the power of the Holy Spirit came upon him. He preached. The people were saved, 3,000 souls were saved. And then in verse 42, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. Man, we, we can do that all right. Yeah, we can listen to what the, uh, the leaders of the church have to say and teach the Word of God, and we got that all in mind. And that fellowship, oh, I like the fellowship. You know, we, can, you know, we can have a, a dinner you know, at the church. We can have a Valentine's dinner. We can have a you know, Christmas dinner, Thanksgiving dinner. Uh, we can have all kinds of social activities going on. We can fellowship, but that's not what the Word means. The Word means that we're going to come together in the unity of the Spirit. And then it says, in the breaking of bread, there, there, oh, okay, we're going to eat. No, that's not always the truth. We're going to talk about partaking of Holy Communion. And then we're going to continue in prayers. Prayers. Prayer. 
that's what they continued steadfastly in prayers. So we need to realize that. Now, here we go with Peter and John, Acts chapter 3, verse 1. Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer. Hmm. It must have been early in the morning, you know, or maybe Sunday morning or something. No, it was the ninth hour. You know what time that is? That's 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Are you saying that they went to, to their temple and prayed for an hour at 3 in the afternoon? Yes. That was their custom to do that. Would that be strange? People come to the church at 3 o'clock in the afternoon and pray? That would be kind of weird, wouldn't it? Because, you see, we are all too busy doing our activities. we got too much else going on. I got my work. I can't. Well, maybe we could all come to, and still have lunch. We could all come together at 12 and pray. What's wrong with that? Pray for an hour. Don't have lunch. Maybe do that once or twice a week. But the church is called to prayer. Uh, you know, the disciples, when they followed uh, Jesus, they, they saw all kinds of things. And... Um, Jesus was telling them, as recorded in the Sermon on the Mount, or not not the Sermon on the Mount, but the close to the end of his ministry in Matthew chapter 21. He was showing them all kinds of things, and he was telling them, and he went into the temple, and in Matthew chapter 21. And he went into the temple, and you know, in verse 12, they found that, oh gosh, they're selling things, they're getting money. Uh, the first church I ever served, I went. In, they went into the church, and you know what they were doing? Having a raffle for a rifle. Okay. I said, no, thank you. We're not doing that here. <laughs> so that I really got off on the wrong foot that time, didn't I? Yeah, you have a, that's what Jesus did. They were buying and selling, you know, and, and stuff, and then selling the, for for sacrifices, and, and I'm sure they were inflating the cost of it, you know, because this is the last chance you got before you go take your sacrifice into the temple. You know, we've got to get that done. But then Jesus said to them in verse 13, He said, It is written. Uh, he's saying, listen, this is what the Word of God says. My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. My house shall be called a house of prayer. This is not the right attitude, not the right conduct within my house. This is my place, and you shouldn't be doing this at all. It should be prayer. It should be prayer. When he made that statement, that the emphasis of the church, the emphasis of that time in the temple should be prayer. Verse 14 says, Then the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. When he made the emphasis that this should be a house of prayer and get all that other stuff out of here so the ministry can be done, people came in and they were healed. So prayer is very important in the house of God. Hallelujah. Now, you know, how would you like to follow Jesus? I used to like to be one of the disciples just following Jesus and seeing all kinds of things take place. And, uh, 
Next thing you know, he sends you out in the power of God and, and you get all these signs and wonders take place and you say, Woo, hallelujah. Boy, I like this work. And, um, and then in chapter 10 of Luke, he, he even sent 70 people out. Whoa, mercy, hallelujah. But what was the one thing that the disciples said to Jesus that they wanted him to teach them about? One thing, one thing, prayer, prayer. Because you see, they saw the results of Jesus going off to pray. He went off to pray, something took place. Always. You look at that through the Gospels. Never fails. So in, I mean in Luke chapter 11, and it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place, there he is again, when he ceased that one of the disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. So Jesus said to them, this is what I want you to do. I want you to repeat these words every time you pray. No, he didn't say that at all. And we do that, and sometimes it just matters. Just It is just words. I, I, as a pastor, we pray this at the end of my pastoral prayer. But I try to emphasize that it is a prayer. It is not just words. He said that when you pray, say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Praising God, and I want your kingdom to come in this earth. I want your will to be done in this earth as it is in heaven. And that's a, a tremendous prayer because that's what was taking place in the ministry of Jesus. What was happening in heaven, all the good that's in heaven, was now being made manifest in the earth through Jesus Christ himself in ministry. Now, that's what you need to to pray. And to give us this day our daily bread. In other words, we need daily needs met. It's a day-by-day process. No. Lord, I've got the next week, I've got to pay. No, he said, what about today? Today. And forgive us of our sins. And, and forgive. we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. All those things. Jesus said, I want you to pray in this manner. I want you... I want you to get to the point that you learn how to communicate with your Heavenly Father so that He'll get His will done here on this earth. That's the one thing that He taught them to do. So how important is it? It's the most important thing that the church could do. So, but like anything else, you can't do it by yourself. You've got to have the power of the Holy Spirit to do it. You remember on Acts chapter 2, verse 4, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and went out and ministered everywhere. No, that ain't what I said. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to jump up and down and dance and, and got goose pimples all over them. Well, no, that ain't what I said. They all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. They began to pray. They began to pray out of the power of the Holy Spirit. 
began to pray. Oh, but I already know how to pray. No, you don't. You think you know how to pray. Romans chapter uh, 8. Romans chapter 8, verse 26 tells us we don't know how to pray. I mean, you see, I don't know what's on God's mind. But the Holy Spirit does. Uh, Romans chapter 8, starting with verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we are. That's very plain as can be, isn't it? <laughs> you don't know what to pray. But the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. He prays through us. He knows exactly what to pray for the Father's will to be done. Now, He who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because He makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. See, that's in context of we don't know how to pray. Holy Spirit's going to pray through us. Then all things work together for good. Why? Because, you see, the Holy Spirit is praying the mind of the Father. He's praying exactly what the Father wants and everything He wants is good and all things will work together for us for good. We use that for everything, but it's really in the context of prayer. So we got to know that we need to, to pray and allow the Spirit to pray in and through it. It can be in English. It can be in tongues. It could be any way possible. But the Spirit needs to pray through us. Allow Him to, to pray through you and to get the work done on earth as it is in heaven. And then it'll all be good. Why? Because, you see, He did it. God did it. Not us. We were His instruments. We were used by Him. But He did it all. Well, so, praise the Lord. The church got hold of that. It got hold of that in the book of Acts. You, I, I, I pray for the, the church to grab hold of it today. The church got hold of it. Let's look at some examples here. Uh, Acts chapter 4. Uh, here we have uh, Peter and John got so excited. They got this, this man saved at the gate beautiful, and everybody got excited, and they were arrested. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's great work. <laughs> How would you like to go out on the street and, and get someone healed, and the cop come along and arrest you and put you in jail? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what happened to them. And then they were, went before the religious leaders of that day, and they found out that they didn't like it because they were losing control of their religion. So they said, "Listen, you got to stop. You got to stop this thing. You can't. You can't use that name anymore. The name of Jesus. Don't go out and preach and teach in that name anymore." And but uh, John, I mean, John and Peter said, "Listen, <clears throat> wait a minute. Uh, I hear what you say, but uh, all we can do is but speak the things that we've seen and heard." You see, we've got personal witness of what we know to be true. And we're going to speak the truth because we know it. We've seen it. We've heard it. And that's all you can do. Don't go share what somebody else said. Share what you know to be true. 
You know in your heart that you've seen it, you've, you've hurt it, and it's grabbed hold of you. So, here they go back to their group, and verse 23, and they began, uh, they heard, and when they had heard that, about what went on with Peter and, and John, they all raised their voice to God with one accord, and the Lord, you are our God. You made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them who by the mouth of your servant David has said, uh, while the nation, Why did the nations raise? The people plot vain things. The kings of the earth took their stand, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against His Christ. And truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, whom the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together to do whatever your hand your purpose determined for to be done. See, they were instruments of God to get Jesus crucified. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now, Lord, look at their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness that they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and what signs and wonders may be done through the name of your servant, holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken. <laughs> Boy, wouldn't you like to have that? Just the, the, the church all of a sudden prays, and next thing you know, it's shaking, and they get filled with the Holy Spirit again and with boldness. That we've got more. We're going out there. You see, that's what takes place when you pray, and the Spirit just takes over, and you get bold. You're not concerned about what people are going to say anymore. You, it doesn't make any difference. You're still going to do what God wants. So prayer is important to pray and boldness will come upon you. Hallelujah. I've read Acts chapter 6. Boy, I'm getting excited. I'm going to go pray. <laughs> Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. Uh, uh, now in those days when the number of the disciples were multiplying, uh, there was arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. Uh, that doesn't happen in church today, does it? Uh, yes, it does. We, uh, listen, we're not taking care of this ministry. How come we're not doing this? Well, that's a good in a way. It points out some things that need to be done. Then the twelve summoned the multitude of disciples and said, It is not desirable that we should leave the Word of God and serve tables. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven of good re reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint. And we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. Hallelujah. So they got seven people. And in verse 6, whom they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid hands on them. Then the Word spread. Then the Word spread. See, once the physical needs were taking place within the church, the care of those that needed it, then the word spread. So what did they do? They prayed. They prayed and saw that the physical needs needed to take place. They assigned seven to do that, and they were taken care of now, but they could go, and the word could spread. Prayer is important to meet the physical needs of people. All right? Let's go over to chapter 8. The church is praying, I tell you. Uh, Acts chapter 8, verses 14 and 15. 
Now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, that's through Philip, and they sent Peter and John to them, and when they had come down, prayed to, to, for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. See, these people were saved. Now the apostles came and prayed. Now we get, get them filled with the Holy Spirit. So prayer was necessary for follow-up to those who were saved. To come pray for, for people to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You see, there's all reasons to pray that the church should be praying. How about uh, Acts chapter 9? Acts chapter 9, verses uh, 36 through 41. At Joppa there was a certain disciple named Tabitha, who was translated Dorcas. This woman was full of good works and charitable deeds, which she did. But it happened in those days that she became sick and dead and died. Hallelujah. What in the world? Have you ever had anyone die in your church? I haven't had anybody yet. Oh, yes, I did. Yes, I did. I'm sorry. Anyone died? And uh, every, every, time, every time her husband sees me, he says, Jane misses being able to hear you preach. That was her name. And it's just amazing. But anyway, when they had uh, washed her, they laid her in an upper room, and then Lydia was near Joppa, and the disciples had heard that Peter was there, and they sent two men to him, imploring him not to delay in coming to them. Then Peter arose and went with them, and then when he got there, in verse 40, he put everybody else out. Now, why would he do that? He had a sense that discerning of spirits that need to get the unbelief out. Need to get all they were mourning and crying and all this. That's not going to solve the issue at all. No. He put them all out, knelt down and prayed, and turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. <laughs> Hallelujah. So prayer is necessary for healing, <laughs> even when people are dead. <laughs> oh, mercy. Hallelujah. See, prayer is necessary for boldness, for physical needs to be met, for the power of the Holy Spirit to come upon people, for, for people to be healed even though they may be dead. Might they be physically dead, but sometimes they're just dead emotionally. Sometimes they're just dead in their feelings. Sometimes they're just dead in their finances. Sometimes there's deadness just overwhelming people's lives. They may be walking, but they're dead, and they need to be healed. Well, how about Acts chapter 12? Boy, I tell you, you can go through the book of Acts, can't you? And see the church in action. Well, now about the time, starting with verse 1, now about the time that Herod the king stretched out his hand and to harass some of the in church, they killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And because he saw that it pleased the, the Jews, he proceeded further to seize Peter also, now it was during the days of unleavened bread. And when they had arrested him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four squads of soldiers to keep him, intending to bring him before the people after Passover. Peter, therefore, was kept in prison, and the church got the latest lawyer to get him out. No, that's not what it said. The church, constant 
prayer was offered to God for him by the church. He was in prison. Some people need to be set free. They are in some type of prison in their life. From the past, yeah, maybe. In the present family situation, yes. Maybe in their job, yes. Maybe in the decision they got to make, yes. But they need to be set free. And the church got together to pray. <laughs> and the thing of it is, Peter came to the front door and they didn't realize he was out. <laughs> but anyway, they prayed. <laughs> They prayed. They prayed. I'm trying to tell you, they prayed. They didn't get to try to do anything else, but they prayed. Prayer is going to get things accomplished. All right. All right. One more thing here in Acts chapter 13, verses 1 through 3. Now in the church that was in Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simon, who was called Niger, Lucas, uh, Cyrene, Manian, who had been brought up by Herod, the Tetrarch, and Saul. And as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, and the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then, having fasted, prayed, and laid hands on them, they sent them away. I wonder who we should send out as missionary. Hmm. I wonder who should go. Maybe we ought to pray. Pray. Pray to send out who should go. Don't just send anybody. Pray. Make sure it's what God wants. Pray. So here are all these examples of the church actively in prayer before every, anything ever takes place. It didn't wait. It, it has to. When they prayed, just like when Jesus prayed in the Gospels, Something took place. When the church prayed, something took place. That's what's necessary. The church is called to prayer. Well, that's all exciting. <laughs> well, uh, that's good. I'm just not that kind of person. You know, it's one thing I did at the church that I'm now serving in because of this COVID we're not doing it, but we come together every Sunday morning at 9.30 to pray. Just to pray. Before Sunday school start, before church, we came together to pray. And I believe that's one of the reasons that the church is well off healthy-wise. Because we prayed. Because we didn't know what was going to take place this year. But we prayed and believing for God to move within the church and to take care of us all. Well, how about Second Chronicles seven fourteen? Anybody can quote that? Yes, you can. <laughs> yeah, he says, he says, if my people, who that be, uh, are you God's people? Yes, we are. So this is not just for the nation Israel; it's us as well. He said, if my people. Who will do what? Who will call upon my name and humble themselves and pray. Seek my face. In other words, seek God Himself. 
not what he can really do, but who he is. Because who he is is what he does. Every name that's applied to God is what he'll do always. So if I come and seek him, seek him with all my being, everything that I am, he'll do what he, who, I'll say it right, he'll do who he is upon the face of the earth. It will be accomplished because I'm seeking him. I'm not coming and, oh God, I need help. Oh God, would you do this for me? Oh God, I got to take, God, I got, it'd be nice, God, if you just fill this church up, you know, with all kinds of people. Oh God, no, come and seek him. Seek his face, not his hands. Seek his face and turn from their wicked ways. Well, that doesn't apply to us because we're his people. <laughs> he said, if my people will turn from their wicked ways. You see, sometimes we're doing things that are not what God wants us to do. The church, that is. I'm talking about the church as a whole. And we're doing that, and it's not what God intended for us to be like in the first place. And it comes to be wicked ways because it goes against God's will for us. It's not His perfect will. It may be what we call permissive will. He may allow it to take place. But it's not exactly what he perfectly wants for his church. So we've got to turn from our wicked ways. And then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sin. And here's what we need today. Heal their land. I'm calling upon the church today to pray. To seek God's face and turn from your wicked ways. And then... Then God will hear. Then God will hear. Then He will hear. And then He will heal our land. This United States of America needs healing. We pray God heal the we God heal. No, He's waiting on the church to pray and turn. He's waiting on the church to turn. He's not waiting on the people that are causing the riots to turn. He's waiting on the church to turn. And then when the church turns then he'll hear, then he'll heal. So I challenge the church today. We've got a great responsibility. If we want the mission of the church to be a harvest, if we want the mission of the church to, to, to be empowered, if we want the mission of the church to bring healing, if we want the mission of the church to have needs met, then we've got to pray because that undergirds everything that Jesus ever did it undergird everything that the disciples, the apostles did in the book of Acts. It hasn't changed. The plan is pray. So set time to pray. Individually, yes. As a body of the believers, yes. I challenge you to do that. When you do, you'll see changes take place in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen and amen. So amazes me To every generation He gives the joy of His salvation Oh 